Good morning, Freedom House. If you're here for the first time, wave your hands in the air and indicate to us if you're here for the first time. Please, we want to just welcome you. Lift them up. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's great to have you with us this morning. Um, yeah, we're off to minister. Thank you for praying with us. And Taryn's absolutely correct. Our inheritance expands to the ends of the earth through relationships by the grace of God. And uh, I haven't traveled with Melissa internationally for ages. They are paying for her to come. And Freedom House is sending me. What an absolute treat uh, and privilege. And um, some people think it's a holiday. If any of you have traveled with me on those trips, they are not holidays. Thankfully, this one is not going to have 14 preaching engagements. Thank goodness. But please do pray because, wow, the United States has such a legacy of God's purpose throughout history. Isn't that true? Are you there this morning? Hello. Somebody. Hello. The United States is a legacy of incredible history in the kingdom of God, and yet there is a major war over her destiny right now, a war to try and dumb her down away from the power of the gospel. I'm not talking politics here. Just want to say it's not about red or blue. It's about Jesus. Isn't it sad that we would be more concerned about red, blue in other nations or political parties than the power of the gospel? So please do pray that every single conversation, every single time that we get to preach, there would be power, there would be anointing to clarify and reposition hearts and minds towards the purpose of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. amen. Is it raining? What is that noise? Is that the sprinkler? Yo, I thought there they were angels dancing on the roof there for a minute. I just want to also take a moment before I preach. Um, I wonder if angels dancing sounds like the pitter-patter of rain. Who knows? Most likely. So uh, we've got some, some certificates here that we get to hand out, one of which is to my Betty. That is Greek for my wife. And um, I'm really excited. We are um, working closely with the School of Leadership and Theology, and a number of you have been through that process, some more recently. And I want to ask Dylan Smith, who has just completed two years of the academic, come up, big guy, come on, gangster rapper, hip-hop dancer. Yeah, come on, buddy. Well done, bro. Hard work. You did great. And then my babe, come and join me. Give it up for my bird, yeah? Yeah. Melissa just wants me to clarify that Dill, Dill did the academic version of Melissa's uh, ministry version. Either way, uh, it's absolutely fabulous. Uh, look at Di over here. He's doing the academic at present. The reason why we wanted to do this publicly is not just to appreciate people who have done good work, but we really treasure uh, theological investment. And too sadly, in charismatic Pentecostal circles, um, the idea from the outside in is that we are all energy and passion and very little cranium, very little thought. And that's not the case. We want to be a community that emulates Jesus full of the Spirit, full of power, trained and equipped in every regard. And I want to provoke you and encourage you that if you haven't had any form of studies or training uh, to come and speak to us, speak to those that have done the School of Leadership and Theology, 
and get on the program. It's easily accessible. It's, um, it'll be one of the best decisions you make. Please, can we turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 8? Sounds so cool. Jackson Walter, just want to welcome you, young man. Why don't you stand up and have a look at this tall, handsome champion? No, 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 keep standing. I actually have a word for you. Uh, so Jack-Jack is uh, Clinton Ellen's boyke, and we had the privilege of actually seeing this young man grow up. And when I saw Jackson a moment ago, I started uh, standing on my tippy toes because he's a beanstalk. He has the stature of his father and the good looks of his mother. Isn't that true? But Jackson, I, I in worship, uh, felt the Lord impress on my heart that he is preparing you for significant influence and leadership in Maritzburg College. I, I, I don't know what grade, what grade are you in? Grade 11. Oh, wow. That means next year you are finishing. Oh, look at that. And I... This is what I sense. I sense that there is a process in your heart. Should I walk away from certain friendships or should I actually be the person I am? And in your mind, it, it seems like, remember at school when, it, when they said, hey, PFP, eh? pushing for prefect. Remember that. I want, I want you to know something, that there is a significant work of God going on in your life right now. And it's not about being a prefect. It's about God's plan in your life to be an influencer and a leader in society that will set the benchmark for others to follow suit, Jackson. And right now, God is using your circumstance to go into the deepest part of your life to say, who is it that you want to be? A person who goes with the flow or who stands out and sets the benchmark. Does that make sense to you? And it's not about being a prefect or anything like that at Maritzburg College. You may or may not be that. It is so much more because I'm looking through grade 11, grade 12 into your destiny and I see many behind your right and left shoulder, Jackson. God has called you to lead now, now for the sake of the future. And so I bless the grace of God on your life from a young age and right now. To be an influencer, a leader, and one who sets the mark, the benchmark for others. Let's reach out our hand to this champion. We bless this young man. We thank you for uh, his kingdom stature. Now, thank you that even as his family and friends, spiritual family and friends, get around him right now, we bless you, Jackson, to prosper in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks, God, that you've marked him for such a time as this. So let him be like a Samuel, whose words never fell to the ground, and wherever he stepped, the earth rumbled. I pray for an increase of authority on everything he says in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says amen. amen. Bless you, bro. Just wanted to be faithful with that. Uh, yeah, oh, thanks. One last little announcement. This Thursday, Catalyst Connect is the family of churches we are a part of, and we are meeting Thursday night, 7 o'clock at Emmanuel Church. Our one and only Sid Jolson is preaching. Uh, the last time we gathered um, uh, two months ago, 
It was absolutely phenomenal. Come and gather with us. It is a leadership time. It's pegged at that level. But every single one of us, whether we are mums or dads or influencers in the marketplace or in the church, we're all called to lead in some shape, size, or form. So come and join us at Emmanuel this Thursday at 7 o'clock. We're going to kick off. Cool. All right. So we are preaching through the gospel of the kingdom. That's our series. And I said it last week. The magic sauce in Freedom House is simply this. We're not trying to get clever. We're not trying to um, get cute. All we want to do is learn to preach in purity and learn to live in passion the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are trying to learn how to live the message and the model that Jesus held out for us across the world And this has been the case for a long time, even in our own nation. The church has added to the gospel all sorts of things, words, much like Eileen said, you've got to strive. No, 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 no. You don't need to strive. You don't need to achieve. You've got to receive. And Paul says, let it be remiss and removed from the church that no one adds one word to the power of the gospel. And I want to say this, not only are we not meant to add words to the gospel of Jesus, but equally works. If Jesus is not enough, God help us. And what we long for in Freedom House is to increasingly, day after day, week after week, year after year, become a people that are hyper attractive. We believe in attractive Christianity. That's the kind of Christianity where men and women look, smell, feel, taste, think, behave like Jesus Christ. The temptation that was held out to Jesus even in the desert when he was tempted by Lucifer himself was for Jesus to add words and works to his mission. And he did not take the bait. The same temptation rests upon the church, even upon Freedom House, that we would add things or become something that is other than the gospel. I'm up for creativity. I'm up for excellence. I'm up for all of those things. But I'm not up for adding. We are not up for adding anything to the purity and the power of the gospel. Because Paul says this, and I said it last week, and we're going to keep trumpeting it. Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for therein is the power of God for the salvation of all of humanity. That means there's something about the gospel that is sufficient and satisfying that we need to invest our lives in and give time and effort and focus to discover the depth and the breadth That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a sexy gospel out there at the minute. Oh my goodness. I did a silly thing this week. YouTube can be wonderful and horrible. And I noticed something come up on my echo chamber. Okay, my feed. About a particular church that had an Easter service. And I could not believe what I was seeing. In order to attract people, they did certain things that look nothing like the gospel and look like the Grammys. And I I hope you haven't seen the latest Grammys. God help the world. 
And they began to say all measure of things in order to tone down the gospel and make it palatable to the world so that they come and they bind themselves to something that is not the gospel. It's happening in our nation. The temptation is even here in South Africa. It's all over the place. God help the church. Because it's a wild, wild world out there of great intimidation and temptation to tone down the gospel, to step away from fierce passion for Jesus, add words and all manner of things to the gospel to make it palatable so that we attract a crowd and Jesus is not into crowds. He is into discipleship. When Jesus preached the gospel, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Come, follow me, and I will make you disciples of nations. It was a confrontation of every comfortable aspect of a person's life. But when Jesus' gospel is preached, everybody, something resonates deep in the soles of our shoes, not just the diamonds, but the destiny deep inside of us that says, I don't understand this, but something's coming alive in me, and I've got to follow Jesus. No matter how high the price, the kingdom of God is the most precious thing, and I will give it all up to follow him. There is a call across the nations right now, like never before, because the stakes are so high. And it's the call back to the fierce purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm convinced of this. His words and his way are enough. And I'm convinced of this, that when we begin to gaze into the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Hearts and lives come alive. I'm 28 years following Jesus. And the reason I follow him today is because he's becoming more beautiful to me, more spectacular to me as time goes on. And the reason why we are preaching this series is to that end alone, that Jesus would become more beautiful. Hey, Margs, Margs is turning 80 this year. Hey, Whoa. and she is shining more. You know, DJ passed away, and as I say that, I just want to, I've just seen Anna a moment ago. Our dear Tony passed away this week, very sadly, and we, Anna, we think of you, we think of the family. Tony is in paradise right now. Although he passed away earlier than anticipated, he is in paradise right now, but we extend compassion and grace and mercy and I know that there is a celebration later today, but we bless you and we bless Tony's family in the name of Jesus. But look at Mark, she's 80. I've known her for a long time. She is more beautiful than I've known right now. Why? DJ's past, her best friend of well over, what, what nearly 60 years, has passed away recently in the last two years but she's full of fire. Why? Because although her best friend has passed, DJ, her best friend, was not Margie's source, but Jesus is her source. You are such a wonderful example, Margs, and I want to bless you and honor you. And if I can be like you 
When I'm 80, I will be a very happy person. But my point is this, is that when Jesus becomes enough, the world watches and listens. So Matthew chapter 8, are you ready to go? I want to talk about the ministry of the kingdom in the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, this is the context, walks up into a hillside and he takes a seat. Remember, we've been telling you that the kingdom of God is evidenced in the story of Israel in the Exodus. The chief protagonist in the Exodus is the foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. His name was Moses. And what did Moses do? He went up to Mount Sinai and he got the defining parameters of a kingdom life for a people delivered out of Egypt and heading to their promised land. And he came down and he gave the parameters of the ways of God for a people who had been in Egypt for 430 years. Jesus goes up and takes a seat on the mountainside. And in this moment, he's the true Moses of a true exodus, but not for Israel, but for all of humanity. And he begins to redefine, not just for Israel, but for all of humanity, what the kingdom of God is like. And he starts bubbling up. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And he begins to describe the life of the kingdom. And people sit and listen. A crowd begins to clamor around him because, as other gospel writers say, they've never heard anyone speak like this, Justin Reed. They've never heard anyone speak like this. But Jesus knows that the kingdom of God This kingdom that he epitomizes and embodies is not merely about words. It's about a demonstration of the kingdom of God. Paul later says this. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It is a matter of power. And in this instance, he recognizes a couple of things. The crowds are wrapped with my words. But I've got something more than defining words for these people. I have destiny. And the destiny I have for these people is they would be my embodied mission on earth. Remember, he says, come, follow me, and I will make you disciples of all nations. Not only are we meant to be disciples, but we are to be disciple makers. And he knows the more he talks the more enamored the people become with his words. But he's got a mission for them. And so he steps down from the mountainside and he steps into the valley of life. I wonder how many began to follow him. Because what I'm about to read to you right now is a significant moment that embodies the ministry of Jesus. But we must know this, the ministry of of Jesus that epitomizes the kingdom is not about clamoring around a message only. It is about listening to the message, letting our bones begin to burn deep inside of us with the power of the gospel, and then standing up with Jesus 
who steps into the dark and forgotten places of this world to bring light. I want you to know something. That is what sets up Matthew 8. So let's read together. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy, say leprosy. I want you to think of the most stigmatized illness and ailment today. Leprosy was that thing. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, press pause. There is a crowd clamoring. They like what Jesus is saying, but would they like what they're about to see right now? Because the lepers were rejected, neglected, and stigmatized in Hebrew society. Leprosy, whilst it was a physical ailment where the skin was being eaten away, represented a heart ailment, sin. Where sin would eat away, Dave Shah, hello my buddy, would eat away at the life of a person. And leprosy was a statement to all of Israel. This person, guy or girl, because sin and leprosy is indiscriminate. No matter what age, this guy or girl, bless you as you go to phrases in the name of Jesus, have an amazing time. This guy or girl is riddled with sin. Stay away. And so what they would do is they would take lepers and separate them from society because they were the worst of the worst. The priests of the day, if they knew that a leper, listen to how amazing and how hectic this is. If they knew a leper had walked down the middle aisle of church, they would never have walked down that middle aisle. Why? For fear of being contaminated, Claudia, with the same ailment, the same sin that ravaged that person's life. How much more? Society. They would reject the leper, not just the priests, but across the board, they would run away from lepers. And here in this moment, Jesus is about to embody the kingdom of God. Not an understanding that rejects people who are ravaged with sin and the effects with sin, but a kingdom that runs straight to sin. Imagine what that crowd would have done if I was a good little Israelite boy, hey Jules, and I saw old Jimmy fall apart, running up to Jesus and getting on his knees, I would have hightailed it out of there. Oi, I like Jesus, but I'm a, I'm a bit concerned about the company he keeps. I can imagine, hey, how this, the crowd would have scattered and just a few would have remained to see the, the life of the kingdom of God in this moment. So let's keep reading. Are you with me? And so this dude, Jimmy, falls at Jesus' feet and says to, to, to Jesus, Lord, look at this. If you are willing, you can make me clean. That's a very telling statement. He didn't say, if you have the goods, you can make me clean. If you have the power, you can make me clean. He asks a telling question. If you are willing. In other words, he knows two things. The leper. Number one, Jesus has all ability to heal me. 
But number two, I have been rejected my whole life. Is he willing to associate with me? The question in his mind was less about God's power and his grace and his means to heal, but more about his heart to heal, which is quite remarkable. There are people that come into Freedom House. Some of you are seated here right now where life has dealt a hand. The world has spewed its filth on you. Whispers have become shouted words in your ears. You've been neglected and rejected. Maybe you've been an outcast. Maybe you haven't been the leader of the pack. And you come into Freedom House with all of this baggage. And you know Jesus is real. But your question is, is Jesus committed to me? He might be committed to the person next to me, but is he committed to me? So what this leper is struggling with in this moment, all of us struggle with at some stage. And Jesus does a remarkable thing. Even before he speaks to him, he contravenes the law of Moses. That's what the people would have thought. The law of Moses says if you touch, if you touch someone unclean, you become unclean. That's their mind. But Jesus was not contravening the law. He was fulfilling it and trumping it because he knew that the one who has all life was about to bring life to the lifeless one. And he reaches out his hand and he touched the man. And then he speaks, I am willing. And the man is instantly healed. Imagine that transaction. People have been running away from this leper. The mere sound of him, the mere smell of him. People running in the opposite direction. And here Jesus does not even speak a word. He reaches out and he touches the leper. He's healed in a moment. Physically he's healed. But let me ask you a question. What else would have been healed? Someone tell me. His, Ryan Hart's sleeve, says his heart. And Ryan's absolutely right. His heart would have been healed. What else would have been healed? His reputation. What else? His mind, his identity, the whole aspect of him that had been broken down by severe repeated rejection in an instance of being touched. He would have been physically healed, emotionally healed, psychologically healed, and as Melissa said, we'll see it now, reputationally healed. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy, and then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone. I'm still trying to figure that one out. But go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift of Moses that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Melissa said reputational healing. Because they, this man had been rejected his whole life because of leprosy. He had been an outcast in society. And one encounter with Jesus healed his reputation to the extent that he was welcomed back into society. Friends, this is the first, according to Matthew, this is the first time after defining the kingdom, 
Jesus embodies the kingdom. And there are four things that I want to remind you of that epitomize kingdom living. Number one, and I want you to write this down. I really want to, I want to encourage you and some of you provoke you. You all have your phones here. Some of you have journals and pieces of paper. We need to take notes. I remember in the, I still do today, but in the first several years of my walk with the Lord, I would sit at Glenridge in, this, in, the, in the DLR Hall, this newly saved late teenager, and I would just take notes. I didn't understand half of them, but I just took notes, took notes, took notes. Yo, yo, metanoia. What does that mean? And now I know what it means. People, take notes. Don't think that it just sits in your mind. Four things. Number one, power encounter. Say power encounter. Number two, personal transformation. Would you say personal transformation? Number three, social transformation. And number four, world mission. And everybody says, oh, yo. let's try world mission. Thank you so much. Number one, power encounter. Number two, personal transformation. Number three, social transformation. And number four, world mission. According to the clever people, you know those guys and girls that we read that have done decades of study, they distill the ministry of the kingdom and the impact of the kingdom to those four things. Power encounter, personal transformation, social transformation, and world mission. And this is what this text embodies. It starts, however, with the fourth first. I love that. Our God is a God on mission. And Jesus comes down from the mountainside. Why? He's not here to start a ministry with downloads on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. What, what? He is here to live out the kingdom of God physically and emotionally and practically, it's called the mission of God. It is the kingdom of God on display for all to see and all to experience. He comes down from the mountainside. I want you, if you, if you don't know church history, to think of this for a minute. The great Patrick, who wasn't uh, an Irishman, he was actually uh, a Brit, all right? Go Britain, yay, all right? He was a remarkable human being. Think of this. He was captured as a young man from Britain. He was taken across to Ireland by a bunch of Irish scallywags. Yeah, it makes sense. Bunch of scallywags, those oaks. All right? And in that moment, while he was forced to look after the Irish bloke's sheep, if you've ever been to Ireland, there are loads of sheep. All right? So that means he was running around, helter-skelter, looking after sheep. He had an encounter with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him some months later, and he said, go to the coastline and have a look. And he saw these ships coming, and he swam to the ships. And he was taken back to the, well, before the United Kingdom, Britain, all right? And in that place, he began to seek out the Lord. He went to Europe and he began to consider the monasteries of Europe. Can I tell you where the monasteries were? They were high on mountain sides because the monastic mind of the uh, centuries after the early church 
felt that they had to seclude themselves from society and become holy, holy, holy through separating from society. So they were up on mountainside, mountainsides. They were grand and spectacular, and the monks and the punks would, would go there and they'd get all sorted out and all cool things. They'd do their prayers and their devotions. They themselves would change, but society would not. And old Patrick, Patrick was a clever man, filled with the spirit. And he realized if Europe was to be saved, and Thomas Cahill writes how the Irish saved civilization, it was because of Patrick, friends, it's true. He went back to Ireland by the spirit of God and he said this, if we are to change society, we cannot be monks acting like punks on a hillside. We have to be within society, getting amongst the people, burning with Jesus. It's the cultic way of Christianity. We studied it. We read it. We devour the stuff. And it became the pattern that saved not just Ireland. He went up to Scotland with his missionary bands. The first female preachers. Isn't this exciting? It's not egalitarianism or ideological feminism that gets women to preach. It's the Spirit of God. The first female preachers in Patrick's crew. The first hospitals in Patrick's crew. The first uh, uh, beer bring in Patrick's crew. Did I say that? It's true. They went into society and they went up into Scotland all the way down into Britain and across into Europe. And they changed the way people began to think about the church. The church was not isolationist or sectarian. It was integrated and transformative. Here's Jesus. Let me ask you this question. How much of your life is reduced to coming to church on a Sunday, ticking a box, I've done the Christian gig, and then Monday to Saturday we live like, I don't know what. How many times have we reduced the gospel of the kingdom to going to church on Sunday as opposed to being the church Sunday, Monday, all the way through till Sunday slaps us on our behinds again. World mission, friends, we've got to go down the mountainside. We've got to engage with people. I did a wedding yesterday. I love weddings. I don't have time to do weddings much anymore, but I love doing them. And I love it when people don't know Jesus. Because they hear the gospel. And the whole night I had people coming to me, talking to me. I absolutely love it. Let me tell you one of my favorite times, and I hope this doesn't offend you. From time to time, and it's infrequent, I go to Robson's. Has anybody been to Robson's? We go and watch Liverpool win again. And Phil, what are you doing with a Tottenham shirt on there, mate? Come out in Jesus' name. Hey, look shy, Awana. He's a Liverpool man. And we're watching, right? We're watching Liverpool this last season losing. But we're watching Liverpool and everyone's shouting and cheering. And I might have a castle light because I'm trying to get my six-pack back, all right? And invariably, we are making the most noise. And you start having conversations with people. I love those moments because people don't expect pastors to be drinking a castle light, nochal, watching Liverpool, nochal, in Robson's, talking about Jesus amongst the O's. It's the best place to be. I love it. Jesus 
was called a wine bibber, a friend of sinners. He was guilty by association. Now, as I'm saying this right now, every religious bone in our bodies is beginning to manifest. Ryan, you've got to be careful. Now, I know all the qualifying facts. I just want to state that. But when will the church be so filled with the Spirit, so filled with fire, that when they're watching Liverpool win again in the name of Jesus, they are the most attractive, not because they lick it. We do not get drunk as believers. Let me just make that very clear. We don't get drunk. We get drunk in the Spirit. All right? Yes. But we've got to be. We've got to be amongst where it counts. It's the kingdom of God with the worst of the worst. And it's not about just going with Sid and Trace and the rest of us to phrases. It's during the week. Some of the messiest moments is, is handing people's marital situations. Mess. Are we prepared to jump into the mess? Or do we have a institutionalized and legalized way of thinking like the crowd with Jesus? Be careful. Don't let the sinner touch me because I might get infected. Have we got such a low view of the power of the kingdom inside of us? Are crazies excited? Have we got such a low view? I know this. I know, Jason, who's alive in me. It's Jesus. That when people hang out with me, they're not going to get anything else other than Jesus. Do you believe that, church? This is the mission and the ministry of Jesus Christ. What is the time? Because I was supposed to do all four today. And I'm not going to be able to. <clears throat> so world mission. Enough on world mission. I hope you're not too offended. Number one, world mission. Thank you. Number two, power encounter. You see, friends, like I said last week, the reason why the Son of God was made manifest was to get everybody saved. The scripture says, no. The reason why the Son of God manifest was to destroy the works of the devil. Let me explain this once more. Sin is as a result of, and all the effects of sin, disease, breakdowns of marriage, anxiety, depression, all the brokenness, systemic brokennesses of society is as a result of sin. But how did sin enter the world? Where Adam and Eve capitulated in a warfare moment, capitulated to Satan in the Garden of Eden. And their rebellion was this, Luke. This is important for you to know. The rebellion was this. I don't want you, God, to be God on the throne anymore. I'm going to be God and author of my own life. It was a warfare moment. And they sided with the enemy. And that warfare moment led to the ravaging of humanity till this day, until Jesus returns, ravaging humanity in sin. And so when we think about the leper in this moment, it's not just about sin. It's not just about sickness. It's the fact that in Jesus' mind, he knew that this leper's life had been ravaged by Satan himself. And he would not have it. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 says this. 
When demons are cast out, the kingdom of God has come. The sad reality of too much of the church is that we think that Jesus, when we gave our lives to Jesus, we were rescued out of the war to be on holiday on our old man's yacht sipping, you know, a Sprite. That's how half the church lives. We've been saved out of the heat of battle. Phew, I can just get on with life. It's all cool by the pool. The truth of the matter is, we were saved by the king in a war, for war. It says prior to Jesus, we were enemies of God in our minds. But he delivers us of that, and we become partners with Jesus, and he has a mission, and it's to destroy every work of darkness. When I was preaching at that, uh, um, um, what was I doing yesterday? A wedding yesterday. It was the most beautiful thing. I was talking to them about some cool stuff, and they, uh, just in case you get all weird on me here, they had been legally married over two years ago. They're having the celebration now. And their little child comes running up to them. And they're holding their little child while we're celebrating. And as that happened, because I was talking about legacy, I said, you see, friends, this is why, sir, ma'am, you do marriage God's way. It's not just for you. It's for your kids. And the Spirit of God fell on that thing. And I, I said, most of my ministry as a pastor is seeing the brokenness of people's experiences and their upbringings manifest in their lives and how Jesus breaks in to heal their hearts. That's why healthy marriage counts. It's warfare in marriage. It's warfare in relationships. It's warfare in how we do our finances. It's warfare in, in keeping our bodies fit. It's warfare at every turn. But I want to ask you this question. Have you gone AWOL? Absent without leave. I want to ask you that question. I think of Leanne championing right now. Do you mind if I just mention Championing right now prayer, community prayer in this region. Our region has been ravaged by too many things. And here she is championing that. It's not about Leanne leading the way with many others to get people to pray at Townsend Park. It's warfare. It's Leanne and all of us standing up and going, enough's enough. We've been absent without leave for too long. We're living in war with a holiday mentality no more. And we will gather together, and we will pray, and we will worship God, and we will bless this region, and we will stand with churches. When I was driving back from the, the Midlands today, left at 5.30 in the morning, every church along the N3, along the N2 that I knew, I was just saying, God, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. Churches that aren't Freedom House are not our competitors. They are our family. And we're at war together, standing shoulder to shoulder, taking ground. That's Jesus confronting powers of darkness. I want to ask you a question. Are you going AWOL? I'm going to stop here. How will I, you know if you've gone AWOL? You've reduced 
the gospel of the kingdom being the church to simply pitching up on a Sunday, coming a little bit early for a free forever in the name of Jesus cup of coffee, taking a seat, tipping God if it's a good service, and then going home for a roast or toast. And we think that's church. That is not church, church. In fact, that's an AWOL church. World mission, power encounter for personal and social transformation. I can't do those other two for the sake of time. I promise you I could go a lot longer. Shall we stand together in the name of Jesus? Are you all okay? I'm just concerned. Are you all right? Did I offend you? Did I confront you? Okay, that's good. Does this make sense to you? Shout that out. Shout it again. Shout it again. It's the exact prayer, one of the prayers that we were praying this morning in, in, time, in our time of prayer before the meeting, an awakening. That as the gospel comes, it would begin to awaken us. Can we take each other's hands? Is Garth here? <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking of... Uh, uh, just take each other's hands. I want you to pray for each other for a moment. To the person to the right and left of you. And I want you to pray for each other. You don't have to stretch too far if it's a handful of you. I want you to pray for each other. God, awaken us. Awaken us. Awaken us. Take a minute. Pray for each other. Awaken us. Awaken us, Jesus. Awaken us, Lord. Deliver us. Deliver us of AWOL Christianity. Deliver us of casual Sunday church attending Christianity, where if the worship's good, we might tip God. Deliver us of that in the name of Jesus and awaken us to the mission and the example of Jesus Christ. That world mission would burn in our bones. Burn in us, Jesus, I pray. Burn in Ryan, Lord. And that's the heart to you. I'm talking about me, Ryan Matthews. Burn in me, Lord. Consume me that there's not much left of me, but more of you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus for Freedom House. I give you thanks for what you are doing. I thank you that you are awakening us to righteousness, that you are stirring the uprising, Lord, that the outpouring of revival is an uprising of your spirit inside of us. I thank you for that. But Lord, I pray for more in Jesus' mighty name, that this would not be a matter of talk, but power in our lives and through our lives in the name of Jesus. And I bless you, Freedom House. I bless you to prosper. I bless you, most importantly, to know him who is beautiful beyond description. I bless your heart to burn with the spirit and your bones to burn 
with the gospel. And like Paul, and certainly like Jesus, we would say, we are not ashamed of the gospel. For therein is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who walks in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen and amen. If you, friends, if you are sick or you need to stand on behalf of someone who is sick, I want you to come. We want to stand proxy with you. We want to lay hands on you. We want to go to war against every effect of the enemy. So come. If you want to believe God for anything, we are here to pray for you. Nicholas, anything from you, bro? Can we wrap it up? Oh, cool. Love you. Bless you. Coffee's on tap. And if you want prayer... Was I